When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What would you do to be remembered long past your demise? Some try to accumulate as much wealth as possible to pass on to their family. Others wish to create something magnificent and long-lasting, such as the Great Wall of China, which was built when Emperor Qinshi Huang ordered the construction of the Great Wall around 221 BC. The labor force that built the wall was made up largely of soldiers and convicts. It is said that as many as 400,000 people died during the wall's construction. Many of these workers were buried within the wall itself. While yes, the emperor is remembered, but more so for the wall that he had built. What about the workers who died for its construction, though? Those were 400,000 living, breathing, loving, and laughing people who are only remembered as a number. While the wall is impressively long, the girth on it isn't anything to boast about. Gives me overcompensating vibes. Gherkin. Sadly, we all can't be Betty White, who is forever remembered as one of the kindest, best souls that have graced this planet. More than a few people have left marks in our history and are remembered for their brutality, malice, and being pretty dang rotten. Welcome back to our history lesson here on Rotten to the Core. I am your not-so-evil queen, Joshua Waters, and... I have a bad side, a good side, and a backside. You get whichever one you deserve. I am so happy that you have all joined me this week, and to all of my patrons, I will be picking at random one of you to send a little care package to. So watch your Patreon inboxes sometime after the 15th. I hope this spring is treating you well so far. It's warming up, but gray and wet. And I'm mopping the floor a whole lot more. My allergies have flipped from the mold of winter and have been haywire from all of this pollen. I'm not complaining. I will always be the type who stops and smells the roses. Even knowing I'll pay for it later. 
some things are just worth it, you know? That brings me to my question earlier. What would you do to be remembered long past your death? I myself have been coming to terms with my own mortality. Yes, even after all these many millennia. Bodies only last so long before your NSC queen must abandon this vessel and find another. I normally come right back, but I believe this time I'll catch up on some R&R for the next few hundred years. I give it two stars. It was not as advertised. And I'm only giving it two stars because I gotta enjoy Henry Cavill. In all seriousness... Have you noticed that for most people, it's more important to leave something behind rather than live a good life while they're here? They spend their lives hurting others to better their own obituaries. It doesn't matter to them whom they screw over as long as they are remembered. Now, I would confidently say that I myself am living in my own villain era currently but more of a witch-in-a-secluded-woods type of way instead of causing harm to others. My next few episodes will be all about several of history's most rotten rulers and the horrible things they are remembered for. Starting off is a man who is still remembered for his brutality and bloodlust over 1,500 years later. He was the leader of the Hunnic Empire from 434 to 453 A.D., Come on down, Attila the Hun. Oh, Hun, you don't know about Attila? Well, let me tell you. Attila was the ruler of the Huns and one of the largest kingdoms in history. He was definitely a size queen because his kingdom was huge. It stretched from the Caspian to the North Sea. Now, my first thought was, Who are the Huns again? The Huns were nomadic warriors who terrorized much of Europe and the Roman Empire in the 4th and 5th centuries AD. They were very skilled horsemen who were best known for their astounding military accomplishments. While it is believed that they originated from Asia, by the time they began taking over Europe, their numbers were made up of any race or ethnicity that agreed to follow and fight for them. Think Cal Drogo from the Dothraki, except Cal Drogo, or Jason Momoa, could get it all day long. Attila is viewed differently depending on where your ancestors originated. In Hungary, he is seen as a hero. But as I come from European Christian ancestry, my teaching was that he is largely viewed as a sort of devil. His nickname from the Romans translates to the Scourge of God. The religion of the Huns is still not fully known. It is thought that they believed in animism and worshipped natural elements. Animism focuses on the metaphysical universe with a specific focus on the concept of the immaterial soul. The animist is committed to a belief in anthropomorphic spirits, which reside within non-human animals or altogether inanimate objects. 
So you can see right off the bat, while the Roman Catholics would paint anyone attempting to defeat them as a devil. If you can't join them, demonize them, right? When we think of Attila, you may imagine a huge Balkan barbarian riding on his horse and a huge troop of soldiers at his call. While, yes, part of that is true, the only description of Attila from a personal viewpoint says that he was short of stature with a broad chest and a large head. His eyes were small, his beard thin and sprinkled with gray, and he had a flat nose and swarthy skin, showing evidence of his origin. Swarthy means dark-complected, in case you didn't know, Don't feel bad, because I didn't either. The Huns originated from Eastern Asia, possibly Kazakhstan. But by the time of Attila's death, they ruled parts of what is today Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Latvia, and Estonia. They were directly above what was then Roman territory, and the Romans were their greatest enemy. The Romans viewed the Huns as barbaric, unwashed, filthy mongrels who lived on horses and bred in a wagon or in the mud. Although the Romans were just as merciless and deadly to their enemies, but I guess it's all right since they wore clean clothes and believed their god was the right one. Fighting over religion? That's so 440 AD. Just think of all the progress the world would have if Throughout human history, we cooperated instead of killing others based on who they get on their knees for. Yeah! Attila was born into some form of nobility for the Huns. He and his brother were both taught how to fight and ride horses from a very young age. He was educated, especially on warfare, and lived his life on the hog, for the most part. When their father died, he left the empire for both of his sons to share together. While it did last for a short time, Attila's brother mysteriously died, leaving all power to Attila, which he took and ran with. There is some speculation as to Attila being the one behind the death of his brother, but there is no proof of that. Draw your own conclusions there. Originally under his rule, the Huns were allied with the Romans. Sorta. The Huns agreed not to seize their cities, but under a treaty and a yearly fee from the Romans in gold. Their relationship was rocky, to say the least. The Romans would do or possibly not do something, and Attila would seek retribution. Each time the Romans would violate the treaty in Attila's eyes, he would attack a city and increase the amount of yearly gold that was collected. One of Attila's wives was a real go-getter and caused a whole war to get out of her marriage and run off to wed Attila. In 450, Honoria sent her ring and a letter to Attila, requesting that he rescue her and agreed to marry him if he did. She was already married off and it was a kind of punishment for getting knocked up by one of her servants. Attila agreed, but her, you know, the husband, who happened to be Emperor Valentinian, wasn't too keen on his wife dating outside of their relationship. 
You have to remember, women were largely viewed as property at this time, and I guess he didn't want to share. If I were able to be a fly on the wall with all of these women, you know, when the guys weren't around. Because I have had the privilege of having a quite feminine upbringing, and my experience has been that it's easier to let the men think that they're running things, but they're not really running things. So I'm just curious as to see what these women were up to. Yes, the men viewed them as property at this point, but we all know they're smarter than that. I want to know the secret underground world of the power of women throughout history. There's a good story. Well, as you can imagine, it did not sit well with old Attila. And even after several ambassadors came with riches to persuade Attila to forget about it, he still wanted Honoria. Attila responded by telling Emperor Valentinian that he wanted Honoria's hand in marriage plus half of the Western Roman Empire as dowry. The emperor, of course, rejected this offer, and a furious Attila mobilized his forces and unleashed a war on Roman lands. Now, the Huns did enjoy impaling their enemies. This was also around the same time and area as Vlad the Impaler. It could have been a regional form of torture. While it is horrendous and barbaric, this did make me think about the Romans who were, at the same time, crucifying people. Oh, look! It's our old friend Hypocrisy, and he's waving at us from his glass house. Keep walking. Maybe you didn't see us. Now the Huns utilized gold and other precious metals and jewels. Attila was known to be somewhat nonchalant about showing off, though. When he would host dinners for other nobles, it is said that while he would offer the best he had to his guest, Attila would still use his hands to eat, mostly all meat, and drink from a wooden cup. He also wasn't a fan of wearing a lot of jewelry or ornamentation, and he just sat at a plain wooden chair. To the Huns, horses were how you measured wealth. (laughs) And boy, Attila had a plethora of them. Not only did all of his soldiers have a horse, but Attila was especially close to his own, who went by the name of Othar, and he was almost as famous as his owner. Now, I grew up a horse gay, so of course I'm going to take a second to talk about a famous horse in history. Othar was a gray-haired, now extinct, tarpan breed that hailed from the Asian steeps. He had a height of a little over 12 hands, long ears, small eyes, and a wide and short neck. He wore no ornaments as it was offensive to the Huns to hang things from their mounts, aside from maybe a few enemy heads or two. For the Huns, the horses were sacred and an extension of their own existence. So without his horse, he wouldn't have been successful, at least in their viewpoint. The Huns were famous throughout the ancient world for being master horsemen and skilled mounted warriors. 
When not in camp, they were said to spend nearly all their time in the saddle, eating, drinking, and even sleeping on horseback. The Huns were excellent mounted archers, but also used spears and swords from the saddle too. The Huns would scream as they charged into battle and slaughter their enemies. The horses weren't the only thing that gave the Huns their power, though. Sheer numbers helped, too. The horde of Attila is still debated among historians. The guesses range from 200,000 to over 700,000 men on horseback. I'd say the Romans were right to be submissive to Attila. That's pretty dang intimidating. Attila was victorious in the majority of his battles, aside from the last one, of course. The Battle of the Catalouian Fields. His horde was nearly at the gates of Paris before being overcome by the combined forces of Romans and the Visigoths. The course of European history and religion would have been vastly different had he been victorious. The death of Attila in March of 453 AD remains shrouded in mystery to this day. On his wedding night to his third and final bride, he died. It is debated on if his new wife conspired with his enemies to poison him, or if he drank too much during the celebration and drowned in his own blood when blood vessels ruptured in his throat. I didn't even know that was possible. It is believed that his body was then entombed in three nesting boxes. One gold, one silver, and one iron. Even more, no one knows where on earth he was entombed. The myth is that a river was diverted while a tomb was built for him. Once he was buried, the river was diverted back to flow over and hide it. Even the workers who built it were all killed to keep the secret. His final resting place is believed to be somewhere under a river in Hungary. After his death, the Hunnic Empire quickly began to unravel. The sons of Attila bickered about leadership, and eventually they split their father's empire into smaller ones, which were eventually wiped out within decades after Attila's death. Attila was called the Scourge of God by the Romans and used to boast that a blade of grass never grew where his horse had trod. He wiped out towns, villages, walled cities, churches, markets, ports, and farmlands. The Huns were interested in grabbing people, animals, money, and land. They destroyed food sources for their enemies and nobody was safe from their wrath, including priests, monks, and nuns, which the Huns often massacred. When marauding through Eastern Europe one year, Attila and his forces wiped 70 cities off the map. He killed countless people and sought to unify the world under his rule. But when you compare what he did to what the Roman Catholics were doing and continued to do throughout history... Who were the real barbarians? Again, the choice is yours to decide. I'm just here to give you both sides of history. One of the things I find fascinating about history as I learn about it is the fact that it changes based on where you are in the world. 
Some of us are taught one thing about a person while others learn something completely different. Propaganda from Roman Catholics has depicted Attila as an antichrist type of villain. But was he a great leader who included anyone who was willing to follow him? You can see how the Romans would be afraid of anyone offering an option to their subjects, aside from their Roman superiority belief. It's harder to force a whole race of people into submission and servitude if everyone can be equal. That sounds like most of human history, doesn't it? Well, you guys, I hope that I have cleared up and educated you all about Attila the Hun. I, for one, am flabbergasted that what I knew about him was created from mostly Roman propaganda. It was enlightening to learn the truth about Attila and that maybe he wasn't as rotten as I was taught in school. While yes, he did do some pretty rotten things, the Attila most of us are taught has been largely demonized. Always remember, do we know the real history or what has just been carefully curated? Always keep learning. After all, what is life if not another lesson? Thank you again for learning with me today. Please join me next time here on Rotten to the Core. Our next episode is about the rotten ruler Caligula, a Roman emperor who came before Attila and is remembered for his selfish incompetence. He is also the first ruler of Rome to be assassinated. And frankly, he deserved that and more. I will talk at you all later. Be happy, find peace, and don't hurt others. I bid thee adieu. This episode is produced by Arclight Media. If you enjoy this podcast, go check out some of our other ones at itsarclightmedia.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.